Come down to the little garden with me. Come go with me. Come go and see. I'm Chris Greenspawn. You're listening to SGV Weekly. This is your fix of the 626. Don't you just hate sharing the street with cyclists? Yeah, I too have been annoyed by silver foxes in skin-tight suits filling up the right lane. I think it's because I'm afraid to be one of them. But do you ever imagine from inside your 3,000-pound truck what it's like riding a bike down Valley Boulevard? You're surrounded by people driving 70 miles per hour, cutting each other off to get to the next red light. Now who's the asshole hogging the road? Still the paisa, biking to work? Well, why don't you try it yourself then? And take the bike path so you're not in the way. The one by the 605. You know, the Rio Hondo River. Are you familiar with the Rio Hondo River and the San Gabriel River? Um, which one is to the east? Is it the San Gabriel? Well, the San Gabriel River will get you all the way to Seal Beach. What? You're trying to go west? You need to take Garvey? But you don't want to die. Hmm. Well, lucky us, there's someone working on safe bike paths around the 626. David Diaz from Active SGV is with us to talk about building a more equitable San Gabriel Valley after decades of racist street planning, but it might take just as long to fix it. Thanks for writing with us on SGV Weekly. Now for some local news. The Los Angeles Daily News reports, former Baldwin Park City Councilman Ricardo Pacheco will plead guilty to taking bribes in an FBI sting. A police officer working with the Bureau offered Pacheco $20,000 to vote yes on the city's 2018 police union contract. Pacheco accepted and made more demands. The ex-councilman eventually had to give up over $300,000 in bribes to the FBI. Sentencing will be in August. Pacheco could be imprisoned for up to 10 years. The Whittier Daily News reports the California Grocers Association is suing the city of Montebello over its hero pay ordinance. The trade group is already taking legal action against Long Beach, where a Food for Less and Ralph's are closing to avoid paying. The group's president, Ron Fong, says a temporary $5 an hour raise for workers would increase operating costs for stores by 28%, and they'd either respond by raising prices, cutting hours, or closing shops. Long Beach officials say grocery chains have made billions off the pandemic, and cities like Montebello should commit to protecting their workers. Bread and Barley is back open and serving outdoor diners again in Covina. City News Service reported that the Gastropub's health permit was revoked last month, and its owner, Carlos Roman, was sued by the county. Roman went viral for blocking a health inspector's car after being told he couldn't let customers eat on city benches outside his door. This is what he told the police. What do I gotta do? A bunch of fucking idiots burn down LA and everyone responds. Oh, let's, do, let's, let's respond to that. Now, is that what we have to do? We all gotta go march and burn the fucking city down to burn the residents? Red and Barley was forced to pay county enforcement costs to get its health permit reinstated. Roman received $56,000 to do so from supporters on GoFundMe. And the Orange County Register reports the death of indigenous chief Ernie Salas of the Keech Nation from Alzheimer's at 88. 
The Quichua clan descended from the original inhabitants of Los Angeles. Salas was their spiritual patriarch, historian at large, and nature expert. The chief and his wife of 70 years lived in San Gabriel. A candlelight vigil is being planned for the deceased couple. According to their son and tribal spokesman, Andy Salas, there are roughly 300 known members of the Keech left. And that's some of this week's news around the 626. After the break, we discuss why we don't have shit for bike lanes. It's SGV Weekly. SGV Weekly is supported by Callback Yesterday, a new podcast in which John Raby explores somewhere in time, love, loss, memory, nostalgia, Mackinac Island, and time travel. If you're a secret fan of the movie, which turns 40 this year, own a time machine shaped like a book, and still talk to your dead loved ones, maybe this is the podcast for you. Call back yesterday with John Raby. John urges you to support SGV Weekly with a generous donation, like he did. Does your Instagram feed need more than thirst traps and cheese pools? Follow SGV Weekly for interview clips with everyday people and pictures of the rowdiest cars in the 626. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Rate and review the show to help us get it out there and make a better program for the San Gabriel Valley. Visit sgvweekly.com for expanded content from each episode and a link to our Patreon. Give if you can and support citizen journalism. Thanks. Now back to our featured interview. David Diaz-Avalar is the executive director of Active San Gabriel Valley. It's an organization focused on fixing inequity in mobility, as well as health and our environment. It began 10 years ago as a cycling group. Eventually, it morphed into a nonprofit sponsored by community partners. It's based in El Monte, where Diaz has lived for almost his whole life. If you've ever been in the city of El Monte or South El Monte, we have more fast food or liquor stores than other places. We don't have as many parks. Our pollution burden is very high. So you see a lot of people with not only asthma, children having asthma, but there's a high incidence of childhood obesity. And he was one of them. I would say, you know, as a kid, I grew up frozen food. As an 18, 19 year old, you know, I made it all the way up to 265 pounds. And, you know, I knew that I needed to improve my own personal health and well-being. And so, you know, I, I did Muay Thai, kickboxing, lifted weights, took my nutrition serious. In hindsight, after going to Rio Hondo and working at a nutrition nonprofit, Diaz sees a clear cause and effect between environment and health. You know, learning about these systems that are in place that are serving its intended purpose. And when I talk about systems, it's like the, the built environment, the policies, government structures that have been in place for a long time that have created the poor or negative health outcomes that we see in our community. So... Now we'll hear how discrimination was actually paved into our streets. Active SGV is trying to build a more equitable landscape, but it could result in gentrification. This story is about the realities of organizing in the 626. Diaz's hometowns of El Monte and South El Monte are strong reference points for racist urban planning in the San Gabriel Valley. Not every town here is the same, but for a lot of us, this should sound familiar. We're trapped between the 605, the 10 freeway, the 60 freeway. The city of South El Monte neighbors one of the biggest landfills in the area. And how about this? 35% of the sidewalk network is missing. And so for myself, who has a, a seven-month-old at home, 
we often go on walks in a stroller and we're forced to share the road with cars. Like I'm literally in the middle of the roadway. He says he sees a lot of families in El Monte doing the same thing, walking in the median. Now listen to this. Well, the most recent Office of Traffic Safety data shows that approximately 700 persons are seriously injured or killed due to motor vehicle collisions a year in the city of Oman. That's in a year. That's not like an aggregate. Diaz says only about 1% of the city's transportation is on bikes. But that means about 8,200 trips a day. However, little to no infrastructure exists within the city of El Monte for people who are biking to and from places, at least protected infrastructure. Now imagine you've been hit by a car in El Monte. In Almani, you know, the average income per capita, the last time I checked, was like $14,000 a year, you know? And now imagine paying medical bills. The city hasn't built enough sidewalks since its majority changed from white to brown, though they finally painted some new bike lanes last year. So how is this intentional? Yeah, well, there's this thing called uh, level of service, right? So uh, as a public policy or a thing that urban planners a long time held on to was that we need to plan cities around how many cars can we get in and out of here as quickly as possible. And when you plan a city in that way, when you have a proposed project to build a class four bikeway, which is a protected bikeway, where families overwhelmingly will say that they feel much safer, you're met with a lot of opposition, you know, because people have been accustomed to having this car-centric lifestyle where you have really wide roads, a lot of parking. There's probably more parking spaces than park space in the city of El Monte. So it's definitely a California car culture thing, but they haven't gone out of their way to make sure the minority of people who don't drive are safe. In contrast, upper valley towns like Glendora and Monrovia, which are wider and wealthier, have much more humane infrastructure. There are sidewalks, nice parks, one freeway, and instead of having to maneuver around a bunch of freight trains to get to work, you can take the gold line. Like, that's the physical representation of where the divide is and where the money is, right? Like, the foothill cities are constituents that will overwhelmingly vote against things like Measure A, which is a parks measure, Measure W, which is a stormwater measure, Measure M, which is a transportation sales tax measure that's paying for a lot of the gold line. Yet, yet, they're the ones that are going to be reaping the benefits of having light rail. To address this disparity, Active SGV has been working in majority Latino cities in the Valley to build infrastructure for pedestrian and cycling safety. For example... We work with the city of El Monte high school-age youth to pass a complete streets resolution. We're mandating that the city start planning streets and designing them in a way that's going to make them usable for all users of the road. That's like a very recent thing. This was in 2014. This was a long time ago. It's 2014. And in 2017, they created El Monte's Vision Zero resolution. And what that outlines is that in 10 years, the city would get to zero traffic-related fatalities. These are declarations. They grow into bike master plans that identify where safe passages are needed, particularly for low-income cyclists. And the finished products are greenways, you know, those long-ass parks with bike lanes. But like building anything else these days, how they're conceived of affects everything. Diaz points out that the Pacific Electric Trail, which runs from Claremont to Rialto, is classified as a commuter path. It has lights and rest stops. 
the San Gabriel River Trail has neither. For us, it isn't just like, oh, we're going to have cool bike super highways to recreate. That's not our main objective. Like we're really trying to provide a safe place for people to be able to walk, bike, skate, or scoot to whatever destination that may be. Diaz says outreach has gone well, and there hasn't been much bike lash. After very iterative community engagement, we usually see this bike lash across LA County. But for the Merced Avenue project, we were able to bring back, you know, signatures from residents that lived along the street that were in support of the project and got to actually vote for the design of their preference. And so when it came before city council for approval, you know, it was overwhelming support for the project. Community input is foundational to what they're trying to do. But what frustrates us is when we see that county agencies will come back with a 60% design. (laughs) And that'll be like the first time that they're like reaching out to people again. But between the government ignoring people and the idea of building greenways in the hood, I couldn't help asking, what about gentrification? I think for us, you know, we're very cognizant, we're very aware of it. It's not something that we want to see, obviously. A 2019 study from the University of Colorado looked at the influence of parks on neighborhoods that were eligible to be gentrified. That is, where the median income is below the city's average. Reminder for El Monte, that's $14,000 a year. The study looked at 10 major U.S. cities from the year 2000 to 2016. It found that Greenway-style parks in particular increased the likelihood that an area would gentrify by 200%. But the overall probability was driven much more by how far a park was from a popular center district. Though the Merced Avenue project will be within about a mile of the Valley Mall and the Santa Fe Plaza, it won't connect to either of them. Now, El Monte isn't a major U.S. city, but it is part of L.A. County. So I asked what Active SGV can do about the possibility of gentrification near its projects. Well, making sure that the, the city has like appropriate rent control measures. There's also, you know, one of the biggest tools that you can have is a economic development piece or economic workforce piece included in that. So my colleague, uh, <laughs> we're just having this conversation in passing, so I can't tell you the, the exact statistics. I have to look that up, but he told me that Sidewalk repair or creating new sidewalks creates more jobs than freeways, building new freeways. And then the other stuff, I I think in terms of anti-displacement, every community is unique. So you have to tailor your strategy in terms of what anti-displacement would look like based on the type of project and location, right? Diaz says Active SGV wants anti-displacement measures included in future projects, but that's not always what residents care about. The Puente Creek Greenway will run from Azusa to Glendora between Temple and Amar, but it's going to be on the storm wash behind houses. Those folks were the most concerned about access to their own property, not so much about displacement. So like safety and crime was more of an issue. Homelessness was more of a a concern for them than displacement. So at this point, my question was, how can working class communities organize around their stake in urban planning projects? Well, I wouldn't necessarily put it on people and residents, right? Like one of the things that stuck with me for a long time is that people become civically engaged after all basic needs are met. And if we look at the the state of where we are in the world with COVID, unemployment, housing insecurity, food insecurity, and a number of other issues, you know, it's like hard to say that people's basic needs are being met in majority minority communities like Almani, South Almani, Baldwin Park, La Puente. 
And so for us, you know, when we talk about like community engagement, we really want to be able to meet people where they are, talk to people in their language, not talk to people like we're policy wonks or like, you know, hey, did you know about complete streets or like cite code to them? We want to talk about things that they care about. Like, are you concerned by your child walking? You know, they're not like, hey, yeah, you should really put a curb cut here. You know, that's not where people are at. And that's not where Active SGB started either. But for people who want to build their own power to deal with a specific issue, Diaz offers this advice. If you're passionate about something, it's about connecting with other people that also share that same passion. So it could be your neighbor, it could be your friend, it could be anyone, right? And then working alongside them to like strengthen or find your allies within your own neighborhood and cities. Because I think realistically, not a lot of people know their neighbors, right? Like, I don't know, Chris, where you live, but like, could you name like 10 neighbors on your block? You know, maybe five. And I think that that disconnect between folks, like knowing who their neighbors are and what their interests are and where their values are. And so I think that if people can connect with each other, organize around an idea, have strategies that have been proven, it's just about having the time and energy for it, I would say. But it can be done. I imagine a lot of other nonprofits have a similar story. So I think that's the most powerful thing people can do. That's David Diaz speaking to us from El Monte. He's with the mobility, environmental, and public health nonprofit, Active SGV, whose mission is to support a more sustainable, equitable, and livable San Gabriel Valley. For more info, click on this episode at sgvweekly.com. Special thanks to Boom California Journal for their interview with David Diaz. Our theme song is Carry Home by The Gun Club, courtesy of Manifesto Records. Ambient soundscapes by Kevin Greenspawn. Logo design by Felipe Flores and Rita Greenspawn. I'm Chris Greenspawn. This is SGV Weekly. So carry home. I have returned Through so many highways And so many tears Yeah